FedEx Forum, Growl Towels, Super Grizz, each one a Memphis Grizzlies tradition. This is the Grizzlies Podcast. Welcome back to the Commercial Appeals Memphis Grizzlies Podcast. The first ever Commercial Appeal Podcast done with the Memphis Grizzlies as the Southwest Division Champions. Um, so historic moment. I'm Mark Giannato, commercial appeal sports columnist. I'm joined by our Grizzlies beat writer, DeMichael Cole. Uh, we are recording this Thursday morning on the heels of the Grizzlies win over the San Antonio Spurs in which they clinched the number two seed in the Western Conference, as well as the Southwest Division Championship, the first ever Southwest Division Championship in franchise history so a lot to talk about um in this episode we'll we'll dive into you know sort of the, the history if you will and, and the ramifications of it you know now that we know the grizzlies are going to be the number two seed what is that what does that playoff path look like because oh by the way we're only about two and a half weeks away from the playoffs as we record this um we also uh have uh national stories uh, one about Robert Para, one about a Zion Williamson rumor involving the Grizzlies. I think it's indicative of, you know, what this team has accomplished this year in terms of becoming a, a topic around the league with how successful they've been. So we'll dive into that. Um, also get into, you know, the, the re- this recent slate of games um, without Ja Morant. Now that, you know, we, we learned since the last podcast that Ja is going to be out um, two, uh, two weeks with a knee injury, he's missed the past few games. Um, look, you know, seems like there's a decent chance we may, you know, maybe he doesn't play again this regular season. So we'll we'll dive into what the Grizzlies have done without Ja, and also get you ready because we're recording this Thursday, big game against the Suns uh, on Friday, number one versus number two in the West. Um, I'm interested to see, uh, you know, how competitive it is. So, DeMichael, let's start with that win over the Spurs and what it means for the Grizzlies winning that division title, getting the number two seed. Um, did you gather it, it? It clearly meant a lot to the fan base. You know, that's mm-hmm. what I, that's the, that's the vibe I got. Do you feel like this matters to the players um, as much? It's clearly, I, I, I get the sense it doesn't matter as much to them. Like they're focused on really more of like championships and win, you know, winning play in the playoffs than like now winning the, like a division title. Um, but what was your sense after that win over the Spurs uh, in terms of how important this moment is for the franchise uh, for this season and moving forward? Yeah, Mark, it's it's super huge, you know, for the franchise because, and and it I mean it was you know it was ideal that I mean the team they beat was the team who had ran pretty much the Southwest division uh, all these years, you know, that the Grizzlies, even when the Grizzlies were good, you know, the Spurs, uh, the Mavs, et cetera, like those were the teams at the top and beating, you know, the Spurs to clinch it was kind of, you know, the way it should have been. But overall, I think, you know, it, it probably matters more, you know, to the fans. They experienced all the highs and lows in, in, in the entire Southwest division thing. I feel like this team has been, so, you know, focused on the next goal. I mean, they've, you know, they've accomplished a bunch of things this season. And, you know, they seem to celebrate in the moment and then kind of like just switch tones right after that. I think that's kind of what 
Tyus Jones and, and Taylor Jenkins said, you know, after the Spurs game, you know, Tyus Jones said, yeah, this is a, another nice accomplishment to check off the list. But, you know, um, now their their eyes are set on the next goal. Yeah, no, and it's, it's I mean, it, it really does feel like, you know, everyone's looking forward to the playoffs now. There's, there, right. as we record this, there's five games to go. Um, the Grizzlies only have to go three and two, I believe, to break the franchise record for wins. That's another kind of achievement, if you will, that they can check off the list over the last week and a half of the regular season. But, but really, I mean, now we're, again, we're recording this on Thursday, March 31st. We are 10 days away from the end of the regular season. Um, and, uh, the playoffs are, uh, you know, going to be two, you know, like I said, a little over two weeks away from starting April 16th or 17th. And the game will be at FedEx forum because the Grizzlies are going to be the number two seed. So to me, the big thing coming out of, of, of that game last night outside of the, the like, I think it was a really cool thing. And I hope they, you know, I, I put on Twitter, I, I wondered, I go, does this mean they can put up a banner, you know, Southwest division champions? <laughs> I'm all for it. I know people like I've seen way worse banners than that. Like when I grew up going up in DC, mm-hmm. the Washington Mystics had banners up at the Verizon Center for being the attendance champions in the WNBA. <laughs> so like don't tell me like a division championship is not worthy of being hung up, okay? Like yeah, I feel like division championship is exactly the type of thing you should hang up in an arena. Yeah. Um right. <laughs> If the t- the Tigers hang up their NITs when they go to the NITs, the, 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 those banners are up in FedEx Forum. I feel like the Grizzlies need more representation. They are the primary tenant. You've got now the Zebo uh, record uh, retired jersey. Um, I kind of wish it was a normal banner personally, but I, I I'm not against again. I'm not against the uh, the record uh, style. So maybe maybe that's what you do with the division, uh, the division championship. You hang a record of some kind with the year on it if you want to keep with the theme. But I do think, um, and I hope, and I'm guessing there will be like a, a banner hung at FedEx Forum because this has been a, a fantastic season put together by this team. Yeah, and <laughs> the thing is, like with these NBA divisional banners and things like that, it's. It's important to the Grizzlies because, I mean, for one, they've never won one. And then two, you know, like like I was just saying, just like they beat the Spurs to do it. The Spurs have ran the Southwest Division pretty much since the Grizzlies have been in existence. Like, <laughs> that was kind of a big deal. And, yeah, you hang, hang, why not? Hang a banner for it. Um, you know, we see we see other teams hang banners, you know, similar to things like this. And, and like you said, the Tigers have their – Fair share of rep- representation in the FedEx form of uh, the Grizzlies as a rising team, as a team that's probably going to be around for a while. It's time to, you know, start uh, chronicling this journey inside of the form for sure. So here's here's the big picture question for you. Uh, big, you know, as we head into the playoffs, they're now the number two seed. Looks like they're going to finish with the second best record in the NBA. Do you think this team is capable of winning an NBA championship to Michael? It's a big, quick picture question. Like, I don't. I don't think it's occurred uh-huh. to people quite a, quite enough that like, you know, like there's a scenario where there's a parade down Beale Street. I, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying it's likely or the most likely scenario, 
but I, it, it's not out of the realm of possibility by like at all. Yeah. And, and the thing, I mean, when you talk about championship, you know, we've talked a lot about how the luck of the draw is kind of a big deal. Yeah. And with that, with that win, it knocked the Warriors down to that, that win. And the Warriors also lost against the Suns. So the Warriors are, are now the number four seed in the Western Conference. The Mavs are at, at number three. And I've heard everyone in Memphis talk about, you know, how the Mavs match up well against, you know, the Grizzlies and all that crap. But, Mark, it's no way in the world. For me personally, it's no way in the world you can convince me that the Mavericks are a tougher opponent than the Golden State Warriors. Even with all the success that the Grizzlies have had against the Warriors in the past couple seasons in comparison to the Mavs, like the playoffs are a different breed. And we're talking Golden State with Draymond, Clay, Jordan Poole has, I mean, in March, he's been one of the best players in the Western Conference, period. This is, you know, them dropping to the four line. It's kind of a big deal because now you get home court potentially, you know, against maybe the Mavs or whoever the Mavs face up against in that series. And I think you have an easier path to the Western Conference Finals and to a possible matchup against a Warriors team that you've had success against and against a Suns team. Well, we'll find out real shortly, you know, a better idea of how they match up against this team. So uh, my answer, the short answer to that question is I think that the map now is better laid out for them to compete for that championship. I don't think that they'll make it out of the West. I, I think, you know, uh, Golden State, you know, as, as bad as they're struggling right now, I think they're finding the beauty in that struggle with a guy like Jordan Poole stepping up. And when you get Stephen Curry back, uh, I, I think they're going to be really good. But the thing is, they're going to match up probably with the Suns. So you don't have to worry about, whereas if Golden State was the three seed, you're talking about having to beat Golden State and the Suns on your way to a finals. And that's the toughest road to me. Now, you're probably only going to have to beat one of those teams. So the road is a little bit easier for them, and I think that gives them a better shot. I still just don't see it happening, but uh, they're well positioned to do so. Yeah, no, those are interesting uh, points. And I would say, you know, I I, I also look at it in terms of the first-round matchup, like because yep, there's been interesting developments there. You know, the two seed, and it, it's become very clear they're going to face either Minnesota or the Clippers unless something crazy, really crazy happens. But I don't, I don't foresee that happening. Whoever wins that play-in between the Timberwolves and Clippers is going to play the Grizzlies in the first round. And the Clippers got Paul George back the other night. Uh, and he scored 34 points. And they beat the Jazz. Um, and they have Ty Lue. And, you know, it doesn't look like Kawhi's going to come back. But you know what? Like this team went to the Western Conference Finals without yeah, Kawhi last year. Right. Ooh, yeah. Um, so you might have to play the Clippers, or you might have to play a feisty Minnesota team who has played you tough in every game this season um, and beaten you badly at one point. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I, you know, I, I'm also interested in that part of it. Like, who would you rather play? I think at this point, I'd still, I'd rather, even though Minnesota seems to match up well with Memphis because, you know, one of Memphis's advantages at times is, is Jaron Jackson Jr. But, you know, one of the few teams in the league that has someone who can match up with him is both on both sides of the ball, if you will, is Carl Anthony Towns. He can kind of yep. neuter his effectiveness at times, maybe. And 
they have multiple perimeter scores. And, you know, like basically like Dylan Brooks can only cover one of them, you know? And so that makes it a difficult matchup. I'd still rather face that team than Paul, than to have to deal with Paul George and a group of guys who has yeah. won a playoff series before and won multiple playoff series last year. And Ty um, Lue. Yeah, and Ty Lue. Um, I'd rather face a team in Minnesota with a bunch of guys who have never been in the playoffs before. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, I mean, the Clippers, we, we saw them win a lot in the past without Kawhi Leonard and with Paul George in the lineup. So this, this isn't, you know, unfamiliar to them. You watch them just yeah. the way they chase down – you know the Jazz in that game. Uh, they have a they have a nice group, and you know they could possibly. I mean, Norman Powell is the another one that's up in the air. That's a guy you know's averaged eighteen points a game, and you know he's a great shooter. That's another offensive weapon that they could possibly get back as well. The Clippers yeah. are interesting, and then you you mentioned the Timberwolves and how they've matched up against the Grizzlies. So the first round matchup is 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 going to be tough. I mean, either way it goes, I feel like. Whoever this team plays, it's tough. The the NBA as a whole this season, I mean, Mark, it's been so much parity throughout the league because it's the same way in the Eastern Conference. Uh, usually a 2-7 matchup, you can pencil in five games, maybe six. This year, it's it's looking, you know, more six maybe with those teams. And, and I mean, who knows? Because they're really good. I mean, the Clippers uh, with Paul George are probably a top five team in the West. And then the Timberwolves in the second half, played a lot better and they actually just watching the Timberwolves lately I've been watching them a lot closer and Mark they have a lot of similarities just in terms of what the Grizzlies are good at there's those are things that the Timberwolves are good at too now the Grizzlies are better at them you know on paper but you talk about getting out in transition uh creating steals blocks uh turnovers things like that those are all things that Minnesota thrives at as well so I think that's why you have that kind of that that Jekyll and Hyde when these two teams play, but it's it's no easy matchup. All these teams are are tough challenges. Yeah, it's uh, no, I, I can't wait for it to start. Um, to be honest, and that's what's you know, it, it is interesting. This is a weird and not weird, but it the, you know, Jaw's not playing. Um, mm-hmm. I expect these last five games. You know, you'll you'll you know, we've already seen Jaron Jackson Jr. miss a game. Brandon Clark missed a game recently. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Bain, you know, sits out one of these games coming up. Steven Adams, same thing. You know, you want to, like, strategically rest guys for the playoffs. And then we know Ja, the earliest he could come back, I believe, the two-week mark is next week's game against Utah, I believe, right? The, the, it's the road trip. Is it go Utah-Denver, Denver-Utah for that road trip? It's Utah. Utah's first. Gotcha. So the, yeah. the Denver game would be that's the two-week Utah. mark. Yeah, that's when which, But, like, I don't expect him to come back the day he's eligible to come back. And, I, you know, I, I do wonder if he'll come, if he'll play at all the rest of the season. Does it make sense? Why not just give him the, you know, you're going to get an extra week of rest once the regular season ends. Does he need to play these last three games? You've you've wrapped up everything, um, but it's an interesting time because you know you do you look at for instance the West. You were mentioning the Warriors. Like we haven't seen the Warriors really fully healthy against the Grizzlies, just as the Grizzlies haven't played the Warriors or anyone really fully healthy. Um, and 
it is it is quite amazing and and really I think compelling and interesting how well Memphis has played without Ja this year. They're now 19 and 2 as of today without him. And you know, ultimately, I think that right there, that mark without Ja has really it's what separated them from these other teams in the West. It's why they're the number 2 seed. Um because they play even though yes, I know there's like there's caveats to some of it. They, they didn't, they, the schedule wasn't that tough without Ja, and some of the good teams they played didn't have the bet team's best players. But one, recently they've been beating good teams with their best players without Ja, and two, um, so what? Like you know, like they're still NBA teams, and I think it's uh, really the it's not to d- diminish Ja in any way. Um, because he's been fantastic, and and you know I think maybe he loses all, first team All NBA because mm-hmm. he's missed so many games, but he's going to be second or third team All NBA uh, for sure. He's been fantastic this year, but these games without him have really I think shined a light on why this franchise is where it is as quickly as it is um, because the supporting cast around Ja. Um, you know, they fill certain roles when Jaws there, but they can expand upon them when he's not. And uh, I don't know how many teams truly have that dynamic. It feels like, uh, you know, it feels like one of the marks of a great team is is that characteristic. And, and Memphis has it. Um, and it's been really, you know, really it's been really fun and and also just kind of uh, fascinating to see it, how, how it's played out, especially recently. Um, what stood out to you about the way the Grizzlies are playing right now? Yeah, you 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 pretty much hit on it, Mark. Like it's the the ability of these guys to kind of step up in these new roles. And uh, and I'm looking at you know Deandre Milton, who is arguably the hottest shooter in the NBA period right now. One of the hottest shooters for sure. Well, and, let's 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 pause on him because I think he's really interesting. Yeah. Because if he's shooting like this and you get job back, like. No. That adds another dimension to the team. He has not played like this no. all season. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of a different dynamic. It's the opposite dynamic of last year. Last year felt like the first 50 games he was great. And then the last 25 regular season games and the playoffs, he wasn't very effective. Um, or certainly wasn't nearly as effective. And this year, it felt like the playoffs, he, he was like a continuation of the playoffs at the beginning of the year. He wasn't that effective consistently. Um, he'd have games here or there. And then all of a sudden here of late, he has maybe been playing, you know, probably the best basketball of his career. You know, probably the we're probably in the midst of the best Man. two or three weeks he's ever had in the NBA right now. And it does make you go, well, man, if he can just like, like, I don't know if this is him forever, but like, maybe this is just like a, maybe this is just a hot streak and like, you can ride it for like a couple months, you know? And like, if this version of Anthony Melton's there, well, that 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 might change things for the Grizzlies in a play in the playoffs, and, and you know that, that's a guy who can go out and change a game for you real quick. Yeah, and then the other side of it too is with his offense is this good. Taylor Jenkins has to play him more, and then you mm-hmm. get the bonus of it, which is I mean the defense has always been there, even when he's shooting two of ten, three of nine, etc. The defense yeah. has always been there. I mean, he's top 10 in the league in deflections, and he comes off the bench. So um, now you have to play him more. And, and it also, Mark, 
I was thinking about this too. It brings up another interesting situation, not to to change the point here, but the Anthony Melton playing this well, because at first we were having the conversation about, you know, as well as Tyus Jones has been playing, you're probably going to have to run some two-point guard lineups in the playoffs to get him on the court. Well, now, with DeAnthony Melton arguably playing better or as well as, you know, Tyus, that's, it's debatable either way. I mean, they're both playing just incredible right now, but with as well as DeAnthony Melton's playing, I mean, who's going to get squeezed, you know, in the playoffs because I'm I'm guessing you want John Morant out there 38 to what 40 minutes um in these games in the playoffs because uh, that's I mean someone someone's gonna get the short end of the stick and it's probably gonna be a really good player because the answer at first to Tyus was well you know you can just put him on the court with uh John Morant and you know Melton probably was gonna be the guy who lost minutes in that situation but now you're talking about Melton shooting the ball like this. You don't want to take him off the floor. You definitely don't want to take, you know, Dylan Brooks and Desmond Bain off the floor. Someone has to get the short end of the stick. Yeah, no, and it's going to be matchup related. You know, if you're yeah. playing, if you're playing, you know, for instance, if you're playing the Clippers, you know, like Dylan Brooks got to be out there a lot because he's going to have to cover Paul George. Like, I don't right. think Anthony Melton can cover Paul George. He's not big enough, you know, but. If they're playing um, now, maybe Bain could, you know, there's also, you know, I, I, it, it is going to present Taylor Jenkins. He has a lot of compelling uh, lineup combinations that he can go with in playoff series. And that is a good thing. Like, you know, he can, you know, certain situations call for different things and he has a lot of different options, but it also puts a lot of pressure on him to figure out, as you put it, the minutes distribution and who you're putting out there when. Um, and you're right. Last year we saw it like Brandon Clark was completely out of the playoff rotation. You know, DeAnthony Melton all, but you know, his minutes really got squeezed because he wasn't playing well, you know, in the, towards the end of that jazz series, Tyus Jones, we saw because Ja was being used so much. Tyus Jones was really only playing in the first half of, right. <laughs> um, you know, and, and playing very minimally in the second half of games, you know, maybe a couple minutes to steal Joss and breaks. Um, and I just don't think it's tough for me, especially with if DeAnthony's playing well to play John Tyus together because of the defensive line, like, like Tyus isn't as bad a defender as Ja on ball, but he's not great on ball. And I don't think you can have two sub, you know, below average on ball defenders on the court at the same time like that. Who are both under, you know, ultimately one of them is going to be pretty undersized, probably, you know? Yeah. And um, so, especially if DeAnthony's playing like that. So, like, it might be Tyus who gets squeezed again, um, even though he's having a great year and he's shooting the ball so well. I don't know. Um, but, you know, like, that's the thing. It's, it's a, you know, so you're going to be sitting, other than John Conchar, I think you're going to be sitting someone who you really have a hard time. Yeah. Uh, putting out there you know sitting down and i only say not john conchar because for some reason he he i trust that like i i think he's a good player and i they might need him in the playoffs i trust that he can sit three games and then come in if you need a spark in a game you know what i mean and exactly. still produce right. um like i don't i think he could be useful in the playoffs i don't know if he's a regular i don't think he he's going to be a regular rotation player in the playoffs um 
But all that is fascinating. I don't know how many clues we'll get these last five games because ultimately um, they don't mean that much uh, in the grand scheme of things. Now, interestingly enough, we're recording this on Thursday. Tomorrow, the Grizzlies host the Phoenix Suns at FedEx Forum. It'll be one versus two. Um, and Dylan Brooks has kind of called it, you know, kind of build it as a, you know, let's see, you know, let's see where we stand game. Um, mm-hmm. I'll be interested to see, you know, now Memphis is not going to have John Morant. The Suns recently got back Chris Paul. I will be interested to see how much the Suns view it that way. Um, we'll, we'll see. I, I'm curious what the comp- competitiveness, like if it truly is going to feel, have a little bit of a playoff preview feel because, you know, who knows? These teams could meet in the Western Conference Finals. Um, clearly, according to Dylan, the Grizzlies are treating it as something of like a statement game, potentially. Um, I, I don't know what this, you know, I, I, I have not heard what the Suns, how the Suns feel about it. Yeah, I think the Suns, too, they're, they're at 62 wins. And, you know, when they beat the Warriors, I, I caught the tail end of that game. And, you know, they sound like they're going for the franchise record. I think they tied their franchise record at 62. So that's oh, their, really that's oh, their that's incentive. Dynamic. So, so it's it's I think, you know, as little, you know, no seating is on the line here. But son's going for the franchise record. And, you know, with Dylan Brooks saying, look, we're, let's see. Let's see where we stack up with these guys. Uh, I think it's going to be a fun game, Mark. Yeah, no. And, and I'll say this, like. There's, you know, it feels like we're all, um, every, even locally, I think it is, it is, it has not truly dawned on everyone exactly what they've been witnessing. Like the, this, this, how successful this season's been for the Grizzlies has caught everyone by surprise. Even them, I think, you know, the players, will, I'm sure the players will say they always knew this was possible, but like. Fine, I'll give them that. If they want to say they believed in themselves, I don't think their coaches or the front office. I don't think anyone thought they were going to be the two seed going into this year. Like yeah. no, no one could. Like I can't imagine. Like I don't know. I don't buy. <laughs> someone would really have to like show me video of themselves in September saying to someone, "I think the Grizzlies are going to finish second in the way." I wouldn't believe it. Anyone who told me it, you know what I mean. Um, but. Uh, it is remarkable, and you're seeing, I think, nationally, just like locally, we're a little ahead of nationally, obviously, because we're seeing it up close. But I think it's dawning on people, you know, I think, you know, maybe maybe the Grizzlies, as you put it, you know, maybe the path is too tough and you're like they can't ultimately win a championship. I think it had dawned on everyone, though, that, oh, this team very well could win a championship soon. You know, maybe it's not this year, but it could soon. It's it's the it's it's. I heard it referred and I thought it was interesting. So there's two two things that occurred this week. Then we'll wrap up the podcast like this, DeMichael. Mm-hmm. There was an ESPN article on Robert Para being the third richest owner in the NBA. Um, he's become that. Ubiquity has just exploded its stock. Uh, <laughs> and now he is the third richest NBA owner in the league. And that's important because, you know, now the dynamics are going to change this offseason. Ja's going to sign that Supermax. This is the last year you have both John Jaron on their rookie deals. Jaron's right. extension kicks in next year. Ja's going to sign his extension that'll kick in the year after. Um, and then, you know, Bain, Dylan Brooks will have to be paid after that. Um, it, it's going to get, you know, and there's the questions of, you know, ultimately, 
you know, will he go into the luxury tax? And the point this article made, it was by Brian Winhorst, is that, you know, this might be, this looks like the best young nucleus, the best team at this age since those like 2011 Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah, with right. Russ, Russ, KD, and James Harden. And ultimately, Oklahoma City didn't want to spend the money to keep James Harden, and they traded him. And, you know, that altered the course of the Western Conference for a while um, after they made that finals and lost to the LeBron in the Heat. Um, and so there's a focus on that. And then, you know, there's so there's an article on Pair that comes out, you know, first time he's been written about in a while. Um, and that, you know, to his liking, first, about, I should say, first time he's been written about in terms of his Grizzlies ownership in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got Jalen Rose on the Jalen and Jacoby podcast dropping like a rumor that he, you know, kind of presented as, listen, this is what I've been hearing behind the scenes that Zion, um, and the Grizzlies could be a possibility. He said, quote, everyone's pointing to to the Lakers or uh, the Knicks as possible destinations for him. If he wants out of new Orleans and he goes, he goes, don't watch out for the Lakers or the Knicks watch out for the Grizzlies. That's what Jalen Rose said. And you know, that caused a tizzy, you know, cause you know, that's a possibility. But the point I'm making is not to like talk about Zion potentially joining the Grizzlies in the future or um, what Robert Pera ultimately decides to do with this nucleus. I should point out Winhorst's article indicated Pera has given indications that uh, he's willing to go into the luxury tax um, for, you know, when the time comes. Uh, so that that was at least from the, you know, it didn't seem to, didn't come directly from his mouth, but that was what was presented in the article. But the point is national people are starting to pay attention to all this, you know, like this has gotten the attention of the whole NBA now at this point, it's not, um, you know, now that we're getting to the end, I think the gravity of it all really is starting to sink in for me and for everyone that like just what a incredible season they've put together and sort of, you know, it's the, 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 what, it, what, what it could be both in the next few months and the next few years is really starting to materialize now that the playoffs are closer and closer and, and they're starting to achieve the things they've achieved. Yeah. Uh, it's, 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 it's wild. And, and, and you talk about, you know, just them eventually becoming the big, big spenders. I mean, I think that's just a product of, you know, the depth that they have. And like you said, Jaron Jackson, John Morant hitting on these picks and, you know, you think about Golden State. I mean, this is what happened with them. You talked about, like, with OKC, eventually they had to, you know, go separate ways with James Harden. And then Golden State, you know, they started off with the whole strength and numbers mantra. And they eventually became a team that was centered around, you know, their core group, Steph Max contract, Lee Clay Thompson Max contract, Draymond Green was paid, you know, paid really well, too. Then you got Kevin Durant. And now... Even now, they, you know, have Andrew Wiggins on a big contract, and they pretty much just have marginal gains. And luckily, I mean, they were bad the last couple of years, so they would get guys like uh, James Wiseman and, and, you know, Moses Moody and Jonathan Kaminga. But uh, the Grizzlies are in a in a real good spot, you know, because of all that depth. You, you And even this summer, I mean, you have Tyus Jones, Kyle Anderson coming up. But uh, after that, I mean, Desmond Bain is just in the second year of his deal right now. So, I mean, well, and, the- and, and Dylan, well, so here's what you've got laying it out. If mm-hmm. you want to talk, 
you know, there's playoff run to, to be had here still. That playoffs change a lot of things. I, I would point that out. But like right now, yeah. Tyus and Kyle coming up this year. Ja due for an extension. Next yep. summer, Bain could be due for an extension. Plus, Dylan Brooks and DeAnthony Melton uh, are, are going to be free agents as well. So uh, that's what you got in terms of major pieces in the next couple years. Um, that uh, Oh, and also Steven Adams comes up after next year. You know, maybe you're trying to trade him because uh, he's an expert. I don't know if he's in the long term plans for this franchise. Um, ultimately, like those are things that are, you know, looming. Um, but like what's amazing is if you look at the Grizzlies, like, I mean, they're going to have cap space this year um, yep. to spend. So and um, I am very interested to see if the I, I, it feels like this season might change the posture of the front office, what they've achieved so quickly. And that, you know, like me, I, I don't know, this front office has not shown a proclivity to like, uh, you know, go out and make high risk moves like mm -hmm. a Zion move would be. But mm -hmm. who knows? Maybe their posture changes uh, because of how great this season's been and, and how well positioned they are. I don't know, um, because they're going to they're going to be in the unique position of they're going to end up winning, you know, 55, 57 games, whatever it ends up being. OK, and um, going to be the two seed in the West. And they're going to have, you know, they're going to have cap space to add another piece if they want to next year. Um, so um, that is, you know, they're going to have, you know, with Tyus and Kyle coming off the books, they're going to have like $20 million in cap space. And if you throw in the ability to potentially trade Steven Adams, well, that puts you, you know, that puts you at even more cap space, like, you know, 35, 37 million in cap space. Like there is a very, they got uh, they got up. What's that? Yes, they do. Um, so it is a uh, it is a fascinating time to be a Grizzlies fan. It is a great time to be a Grizzlies fan. Um, and uh, I can't wait to see how this all plays out over the coming weeks and months. Um, it is going to be um, one of the most um, compelling uh, and uh, I think uh, defining moments in time for the for the franchise in a lot of ways this this first big playoff run for this group hopefully um yep. it'll be I, I think that it's gonna it's shaping up to be memorable so yep. um it's it'll it's, be it's, uh it's different because just looking at it um it's crazy when you picture everything that's happened this season what it all will come down to how pe most people, at least, you know, some people will look at the whole bigger picture, but most people, the way they feel about this season won't be determined until the next couple months. And I mean, all of these things are nice, everything that they've done so far. And some people will remember that. But I mean, a first round exit would eliminate a lot of that feel good. Uh, winning a championship would, you know. I mean, be the biggest thing that's ever happened for the Grizzlies. I mean, it's a lot of uh, leeway here on what can happen with this team. And, I mean, just like no one knew this team could be a top two seed, no one really knows, like, uh, how they're going to look in the postseason. You know, so it's it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, it will be. Um, we will uh, cover it all here at commercialappeal.com. Um Lots and lots of coverage coming your way from DeMichael, from me, um, as we uh, watch this 
rest of the regular season play out and uh, move into the playoffs. Um, so uh, make sure you are staying tuned, uh, clicking over at commercialappeal.com. Till next time, I was Mark. That was DeMichael. Thank you so much, and we will uh, talk to you next time. The Grizzlies Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.